Yeah, well, still nice weather, and uh, the Harbor 60 patio is still open. I was talking to my friend, Mr. Nicolau, the proprietor today, and he said, you know, uh, the nice weather is going to change. I hope you change the spot as well. So I said, Ted, don't worry, I will. As a matter I was thinking of course, maybe that was a really, really cl- new updated spot just since the rain ceased. Well, you know what? He's got the patio going uh, more or less year-round or well into the fall because he's got the fireplace out there and the heaters and everything like that. So if you want, you know... Uh, fresher air while you're out there enjoying maybe a, a post-show drink or something. And when I say the show tonight, Elton John's there. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Tour. Uh, that's the second night. Tomorrow, Maroon 5 in town. It's always a pleasure when you're at the arena to uh, think just beforehand or afterwards that the Harbor 60 is right at your uh, very southern flank or proximity. It's only 100 yards away. I sort of calibrate it by thinking if I had to put this uh, in a golf shot, what would I use? Which would, it's 100 yards. That's what I judged it to be without going to the viewfinder. But that's, of course, uh, Harbor 60, which is one of the great dining establishments you'll find anywhere. And uh, I recommend that you uh, make it a date. Friday, the Leafs are uh, playing the Red Wings. By the way, they're playing Montreal in Montreal tonight. You know, it's like the Washington Generals and the Harlem Globetrotters are going to get sick of Montreal because the season opener is next Wednesday with Montreal in town here. Exactly. That's right. And then the uh, Saturday following, Ottawa's in town. And you can see the all-new refurbished and, I can't say improved, Ottawa Senators, but uh, Melnick's worst nightmare uh, coming to town. But Megan Harbor 60 surrounding any of these events or occasions it will be in fact a special time it always is at H60 in the historic and iconic Toronto Harbor Commission building just south of the Scotiabank Arena back with our friends Ernie Eves and John Turley Ewart I wanted to get into the story the commission of inquiry that was tasked with finding out where the money went and how we spent all this uh but you know it's where the bodies are buried uh Again, your friend, Mr. Moulton, from the last hour, he was with the Liberal governments of McGinty and Wynn, suggesting that, uh, you know, there's, or maybe it was Tabin saying this is all just uh, a pretext or a precursor to uh, suggesting sacrifices are going to be necessary and we're going to have to make cuts. Do you see it in that same light or do you think something of consequence, of consequence will come from this commission of inquiry, John? I absolutely do think uh, this is necessary. I think that we could see uh, something of consequence come from it. And I'm shocked at, at the, the NDP, uh, Mr. Tabbins, uh, being, again, so cynical. Uh, to me, it speaks, you know, he's not ready to be in opposition, never mind government. I mean, this is an opportunity to look closely at the books. KPMG has uh, done the study of, of what's gone down. And, and I think people in Ontario really need to know. Remember, we were under a liberal government for 15 years that wouldn't listen to our auditor general, uh, you know, completely tried to undermine her. I think we need to know what happened. And 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 frankly, I, I it, it's frustrating as a, you know, a taxpayer in Ontario to sit here and listen to the, 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 you know, one of the opposition members who will have members, you know, on the commission dismiss it outright as some kind of game. Well, as a matter of fact, there will be three NDP members on the commission, nine-person commission, six PCs. Uh, no liberals. Kathleen Wynne earlier this week was saying that's a gross oversight if there's even anything to well, discover. Well, the, well, mini, no, the, the minivan a, party doesn't get a, get a chance to play in this game. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's you call select. them a party. That was a misnomer. They're not a party. <laughs> that's right. They may be having a party. Yeah, <laughs> all right. We're, yeah, all right. But on this matter, Ernie, I mean, reopening files. Uh, well, it's, it, it's a select committee. So it's done in proportion to the representation you have in the legislature. And if you don't have party status, you don't have anybody on the committee. It's just that simple. So there's no surprise as to why the Liberals don't have anybody on the committee. I would agree with John. I mean, I would hope that the NDP members would take this matter seriously. I mean, this accomplishes one objective, obviously, to look at 
what was done, why it was done, and was there any untoward uh, payment to people that perhaps didn't deserve it. Uh, in other words, liberal friends, whether they be in uh, you know, anything from different law firms to whatever, there's lots of stuff to look at. There's no doubt about that. Would you reopen but, 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 files? But, but this isn't the be-all and the end-all to where we go from here. I think this just tells us where we've been and how we can perhaps improve what we're doing going forward. Well, all right. When I say reopening files, like, uh, you know, drilling down on what happened with Orange, for example. Uh, well, exactly. I mean, that's one. Another one is you can look at all the, uh, the, the contracts with respect to windmills and solar panels. I mean, who did they go to? Who benefited? Who was the lobbyist that represented them approaching the government? Were there any well-known liberals who happened to be consultants advising these people? Were there any well-known liberals who sat on law firms who got fairly right. rich doing this? I mean, you follow the money, you're going to find a lot of stuff. A goldmine for the opposition of learning, right? To, to What to look at for, what to investigate. It helps help them actually hold the government to account. Because, you know, you know, this is what I, I don't like about this cynical approach to it. It gives them an opportunity to look at past cases where the previous government, uh, you know, spent money in ways that wasn't appropriate. Uh, appropriate in the sense of maybe too much money, maybe spending that was, uh, you know, wasn't needed. Uh, and then it, there could be instances where spending was done in a way that was shifty, uh, perhaps not illegal, but certainly not above board. This is stuff they need to know about. Well, listen, but when Ernie yeah, said... I, I want to go back to the point about... That's a very good point. The defense always seems to be, well, we didn't do anything illegal. We didn't do anything criminal. So is that your standard of ethic and government? Well, we didn't get convicted of rape, therefore we must all be great. I mean, that, that, that's a ridiculous standard. It's a low, low, low standard for representing people. There has to be some ethical and moral standard that you set as the government. But here's the argument uh, that says, "'Twas ever thus. Every government looks after oh, their I, friends." I, I totally disagree. You know, the ironic thing about this is I'm old enough to have been there when Bill Davis was the Premier of the province. There was no conflict of interest legislation at that time, but I can tell you that he ruled his government with an iron fist and there were zero tolerance for not just cabinet ministers, but parliamentary assistants, secretaries. If you didn't disclose everything up front, if you did not you know, get rid of any public investments you had or place them in a blind trust, you were gone. It was only when the David Peterson government came in and passed legislation. I happened to sit on the committee with Mike Harris when they were doing it, and I asked David Peterson in one of the hearings, so your standard is you can have a conflict as long as you declare it. And he said, yes, that's ridiculous. That's an absolutely ridiculously low standard. The standard shouldn't be, have I got a bunch of criminals in my cabinet? Have they been convicted of a criminal offense? The standard should be, are we doing things ethically and above board that wouldn't lead anybody to believe that we could possibly be doing anything wrong? That should be the standard. Bill Davis enforced it without legislation. Subsequent governments seem to have a problem with the legislation. Well, you know, and I've heard some people already murmuring about the fact that uh, Doug Ford has appointed Reuben Devlin, the former CEO of the Humber River Regional Hospital, to be uh, his point man on, I guess, straightening out uh, the health file, but he's getting a million bucks. How do you feel about that? I don't know the parameters around how that individual was chosen, whether uh, there were other people that were considered. Uh, what their capabilities are in terms of delivering stuff. But I would say to every government, there has to be a standard to which you hold people accountable.
All right, we'll come back because uh, that's kind of an ongoing theme here on the Oakley Show, holding people accountable and uh, what is the level. We'll talk to uh, the criminal justice system here in a moment on that matter, uh, as well as other things with our roundtable friends, Ernie Eves, a former premier and finance minister in Ontario, and John Turley-Ewart, risk management consultant specializing in capital markets. He's got extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets and was for a while as well editor and senior editor with the Financial Post and the National Post, respectively. Back in a moment, more Oakley at Global News Radio 640 Toronto.